0: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the la liga episode for this week and of course to the overlap joined again as i always am by my friend ryan ryan is uh you can't see him right now because obviously it's a podcast but i can really only see like the top two thirds of his head on on this video call we're on oh no now he he conveniently adjusts it um but it was very much a good. Um, what's that character from Arthur, and like his best friend,
1: the little black uh-huh. kid? You know what I'm uh-huh. talking about? <laughs> well, is That's... he black? I mean, they're all like animals. <laughs> they're,
0: they're all they're all light skinned, I guess. Like but... an ant eater or something? I don't know. <laughs> I think um, I think they are, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, fact, okay. That's so what I was going for, or something like that. I feel like he had some very regal name or something. I'm, gonna, <laughs> he, I'm looking it up.
0: He probably did. Yeah, I forget. That's that's the the vibe because I could only see the top two thirds of your head. I was like, oh, Rian could be a could be in a TV show or a cartoon show, not like Caillou or something. But I digress. <laughs> anyway, did you figure out who it was?
1: Um, I, I think I know who you're talking about. Is this? Is it Brain or uh, Buster Baxter?
0: Oh, uh, Buster. It has to be All Buster. Right. Yeah, that's who I'm <laughs> definitely thinking of. Yeah, the top top two-thirds of Rion's head, for those of you who have not seen him, definitely looks like that. But like <laughs> I said, I, I completely digress. Rion and I, I was actually just, we were talking about this right before we started recording. Um, there's a lot that happened today, like the day that we're recording. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday the 13th, and today alone, um, Donald Trump was impeached for a second time. Um Going back to back. Oh. Back to back to dude, 2020. <laughs> yeah,
1: beginning of 2020 and now 2021.
0: <laughs> he just gets trophies, yeah, for being the best, the bestest um at that. But yeah, and then Harden got traded by the Rockets to the Nets for half of the Nets team and a bunch of picks. Um, what else? Fulham tied Spurs. Uh, Barcelona beat Real Sociedad on penalties in the Spanish Super Cup and their first penalty shootout in like several years 1998 I think um anything else that I'm missing that was pretty good
1: by- nice? Bayern was knocked out of the German the German um cup today That's by it. a second tier squad so and that went to penalties yeah. too
0: Yeah exactly so um Bayern's out and it just seems like the world is uh slowly but surely not healing but anyway, <laughs> we're uh, we're bringing you the podcast to keep you all up to date on what's going on in La Liga. So, Ryan, why don't we jump right into it and talk a little La Liga? Where where you want to start in Spain in the in the Grand map that is mm. Spain? I,
1: I, I figure it's only fitting to once again since nothing drastic happened um, this past weekend, we might as well stick with the league leaders and Atleti, who again. Put another win, put another three points on the table, and <laughs> I mean, we we've talked. I think we already feel like this is a title favorite anyway, and and they're they're not looking like they're going to drop points anytime soon. Elias, walk me through their game against Sevilla. Yeah, I mean, watching this game
0: was. It wasn't overly impressive, but it was so effective. So Atleti played Sevilla in one of their um, in-hand, quote-unquote in-hand games um, on Tuesday, and basically went out and looked like a team that were going to win. I mean, the game started with a lot of high pressing from Atletico, and you would think that with a combination of Luis Suarez and Saul pressing, you know, Saul Niguez, who started over Felix, you would think that this team may not have it all, or at least this lineup in uh, in the press. And mind you, it was also 25 degrees during this game. So it was freezing because, of course, for those of you that don't know, Madrid received several inches of snow over the weekend. Um, So it was a very, very poor climate to be playing in. Um, Nonetheless, though, Atleti came... Out of the tropic block and straight away, high press, constantly stealing the ball back from Sevilla in their own third. That was basically a majority of the first half. And that's actually how the first goal came from Saul. It was a brilliant ball played in by Trippier, who we should note after our last podcast, FIFA overturned his 10-week ban after the gambling incident. And, um, yeah, he's back playing with Atleti. And for the time being, FIFA has basically said, we'll give Atletico time to appeal this ban. Therefore, Trivia can play because, you know, that's how the footballing gods in, uh, you know, the capitalist society that they are work.
1: (laughs) It it is just how they seem to operate a lot with these situations. If you're just looking back to even the Barcelona transfer ban from a few years ago where... Barcelona were banned for two windows, but while they were appealing, while they were appealing, they were able to have a whole transfer window to appeal and get (laughs) the players in before having to deal with it. So it it is kind of, I guess, just par for the course.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one way of putting it. Um, I mean, (laughs) I would I would allude this to being slightly different from an entire transfer ban. But yes, the, the sentiment is definitely the same. Um, but anyway, going back to Atletico Sevilla, very impressed with Atletico's consistent press. I mean, one of the reasons, one of the major reasons why this works is because Simeone plays the 4-4-2 with Suarez and one of jao Salon even, you know, I've seen Carrasco basically play that position sometimes, but it works because of the four players behind them. It works because Thomas Lamar, Koke, Carrasco, all of them behind in the midfield four press consistently with them. In some cases, those midfield four press above the forwards and Sevilla very much play in a system. That's, uh, you know, basically around possession of the ball and moving out on the wings, very much utilizing Jesus Navas um, and playing into the final third channels. If you completely stifle the middle of the park and which is basically what Atletico did for a majority of this game, it forces Sevilla to go wide and you would think, okay, that's exactly where Sevilla would want to play. That's exactly the type of football, you know, kind of this direct from possession to attacking on the wing style of play that they're so used to. Um, but the problem was that they couldn't even get the ball past Atletico's press. Sevilla for the first half were kind of overrun by Atletico's press and couldn't get the ball out wide where they wanted. And the times that they were able to get through the press and basically played into a midfield of Rakitic and Suso, it it didn't work because Atletico are so good at playing in a low medium block. It just, you, it, you can't get by them because they work so hard against that. So you're basically playing into Atletico's hand. So again, great game by. Trippier who proved why, I mean, Atletico bought him in the first place, but also why he's so important to this team. Um, but I was i was really impressed by this first half Atletico performance at the very least.
1: Yeah, just to like underline how important Trippier coming back is to Atleti. Is like, he's tied for the lead in assists on the team. It's him and Angel Correa. It's, I mean, it is. I guess maturation from what he was at Spurs, which I don't think he's that much of a different player, but I do think that his defending has gotten markedly better. I don't, I would not say that he's necessarily one of the best defenders in terms of um, fullbacks, even in Spain, but they found a way to, I think, in the least hide those capabilities, those, um, I think, negative sides of of uh, trivia's game while at the same time i think he's become a more than serviceable defender and he's making it very hard to keep him out of the lineup when he is allowed to play and yeah i mean you're looking at a guy who's gonna potentially i'm thinking about when he left spurs who would have thought that (laughs) <laughs> He'd be the first of any of those Spurs players to win a title. Again, they we're still we've still got a lot of the season left, but just just a funny thought.
0: The thing, yeah, I mean, yeah, you make you make a really good point. The thing with Trippier that um, I think is the funniest, at least, it goes back to when he first came to Atletico and Muno Burgos who was actually formerly Diego Simeone's assistant coach and he was, he's been there for years and knows the team very well. He's he's very much known to, as for basically being a hard ass and there's a story basically when Trippier came to Atletico didn't know a lot of Spanish, didn't really, you know, know how Atletico played probably. Muno Burgos basically spent I think the entire first month that Trippier was at Atletico training him specifically on you go there, you do this, you do that. And this is genuinely the end result of that. It's actually really impressive to see a player grow into that sort of caliber that he is. That's again, largely due to the coaching staff under Simeone. I think that's, that's something that you can't underrate.
1: Yeah. And another guy who is in I think, discussion to be an, a very important player in, in the Euros for England, too. Although, I mean, England's right-back spot is very stacked in general. And so <laughs> just, he's got, just a little bit.
0: <laughs>
1: he's, he's still got like Alexander-Arnold, Reese James above him, I think. But, but man, he's making it hard. It, it must be really tough, I think, to kind of take that in if you're him. Like, I'm probably going to be – like, there's a good chance – that I might yeah. be the only one out of these guys that wins a title <laughs> this year, and I and probably have like I probably have yeah no chance of getting even if I make it like no chance yeah. of getting minutes. Um, yeah, but from a man from England, shall we move on to someone from France who yeah. is rumored to be making his way to Atletico Madrid this month.
0: Yeah, so Griezmann is... Com- no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> is, is obviously very much not Antoine Griezmann. Um, actually, as of today, was confirmed by Atleti officially, Moussa Dembele coming from Lyon and making his move, not back to Spain, but to Spain and to Madrid specifically. Of course, our, our Spurs fans will know him very well, and, and whether or not you remember him well is a different story. But um, he's very much a. I think what the way that Atletico are kind of looking at with the signing is as some sort of replacement for Partey. I mean, right. right.
1: do you think Musa? Do you think this is Musa Dembélé? A different. Moussa oh my Dembele? god!
0: It's a different. It's a different. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> like, no. I. I knew that. That Musa Dembélé.
1: <laughs> that Musa Dembélé followed the, very customary. Trait yep. of light skinned Belgians and <laughs> went to China to get a bag.
0: Yes, yeah, I com I see. I knew that, but I genuinely forgot which Moussa Dembélé was. This is is a different Moussa Dembélé. Let me specify. I understand my La Liga players. It's just it's been a long, long day. But anyway, yeah, Rion, well Let's talk about Moussa Dembélé for a second. Um, to spend some time at Lyon, obviously coming to Madrid. What, what do you? I mean, what do you make of this type of signing? Genuinely, because I, I can maybe, I, I can see him fitting in to this team and getting minutes. I I just, I I fear it's somewhat of like a Lucas Torreira type move where it almost looks good on paper and you know makes sense for both clubs, but in reality there are too many people in front of him, or it just doesn't click the way that it was expected. That's kind of my fear.
1: Yeah, I'm really interested to see the possibility. Of, I don't know. I would just can't see Diego Simeone starting Suarez, Dembele, and Joao Felix all together. Honestly. Um I just because of, you know, the the obvious parts of the defensive structure there. Right, and I think that Dembele could be a really good rotational player for right now, at least at least for these first six months. I, I think it's also important to kind of temper the expectations because a lot of times that January transfer it doesn't make quite an impact, as big an impact as you'd expect um for that second half of the season, it's just, it's just hard to come into a team in the middle of the season and immediately start gelling with everyone, right? So maybe we'll see more of an impact from Dembele in the second half of this second half of the season. Um, but I don't know, there's some interesting stuff. I I, will, I think on days when Joao Felix is dropped for whether it's rotation or You know, what we've seen in the past, sometimes in big games and sometimes in in uh, games where Diego Simeone is more focused on the defensive structure. I could see Suarez and Dembele both playing together and playing up top together. I think that would be really interesting, although they feel um, somewhat similar type of players. But yeah, but uh, I don't know. I I think he could also be a good option to rotate Suarez. Because we can look at this at another sense, yeah, where it's like Suarez is thirty, is 34, I believe, and he already hasn't been playing at quite the same track in terms of games per week as he did two years ago or you know, when he was younger, obviously. And they've been really, really careful with him this year, which is smart. And you could just they could be looking at him as a guy who can come in and play with Joao Felix from time to time. And sometimes maybe with Suarez, like Dembele is a very adaptable, adaptable player. But yeah,
0: no, it's it's super fair. Um, And for the record, we are, of course, talking about French Moussa Dembele, I must (laughs) apparently specify again. Um, (laughs) But I mean, this is a loan, right? So this is an an all out purchase and seems to be some sort of short term fix for losing Diego Costa. Now, if you're at you know if you're Diego Simeone and you're thinking Musa Dembele is going to come in and be a direct replacement for Diego Costa, well, Diego Costa played in place of Suarez, right? And I would argue that Musa Dembele is closer to a striker as Luis Suarez is than he is you know a Jao Felix. So I think it's more really to back up Luis Suarez. I hope it makes sense in the context of playing. Dembele and Joao Felix next to each other I don't know how that's going to work because I think you're going to see that more often but I think that it's likely like very much you know you are here to be a backup to this other guy that we brought in for free so that's my thoughts
1: yeah well we know one thing is for sure it's going to be hard for Musinabelli to get any less production than Diego Costa has in the last two seasons for Simeone. So, I mean, True. this is an automatic. That's an automatic win upgrade. Like you, you take this as soon as you can if that's the the option is is getting Diego Costa out Yeah, Musinabelli in because they're still a really good player there. Guys sitting no, yeah. eighth eighth in league on in, in non penalty expected goals per ninety and fourth in shots per ninety. So that that's. A pretty good trade honestly.
0: yeah and he's also only 24 so again it's alone. it's not yeah the end of the world he still has time um i, I think it's in the words of bruce banner in avengers ed game i see this as an absolute win so absolute win, yeah yeah,
1: yeah and, i think that's where so you, yeah the loan yeah alone more likely than not it, it's made permanent in the summer i mean things will have to go very poorly i think for that not yeah, to happen think- and also, we have to think about Leon is in a real cash crunch too, so they they need the funds. And yeah. um, but this is a great, it's a great pickup.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, Ryan, why don't we move away from Madrid and shift over to Catalonia and in Barcelona? We uh, we have to talk about a team that apparently is uh, about to win the treble, right? Yes. No. <laughs> I th- I mean I won't I won't jinx it, but you know we're on track. <laughs> Just
1: saying. On <laughs> track. Yes, well, I mean, hey, that's. Elias. We are now looking at. Him who has won three in a row? They. Beat Granada four 0 a few days ago. They were able to beat Bilbao before that. They have not lost, since December fifth against Cardiff.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Music to my ears. I mean, the, the one oh, thing yes. that's, I guess, no. Go ahead, go ahead. Ask,
1: ask. I mean, no, no, no. I, I, you obviously are a little tongue in cheek with the, uh the travel, <laughs> like, a bit, a bit tongue in cheek. There's, there's still uh a, a Argentine in Paris that might have something to say about that, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I mean, I know we said last, we talked about it a little bit last week. That felt like things are going in the right direction and and that's happened that's felt more true the last couple of weeks uh maybe since like mid-december ish um what are your thoughts alice is are 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 things clicking just in time for the presidential elections the oh my god (laughs) president elections are are they clicking just in time for the presidential elections you know it's funny i hadn't even
0: thought about it from that point of view until you said it um Coincidentally, probably, because that's how shit luck this this team can get in terms of, you know, getting a good present with a good sporting project. But where is this Barcelona team right now? Um, like you said, they haven't lost since against Cadiz back in early December. The one caveat to that, obviously, is that there's more than enough draws in that pile of games, um, you know, most notably against Ibar at home. But this team is playing better. That's kind of the, the takeaway that I have. And remember Rian, when we, I mean, we talked about how Griezmann fits into a kind of a system that almost has to play as a four, two, three, one, you know, given that the players that they have, and Ronald Coleman tried that. I mean, he tried a four, two, three, one, he tried, you know, some variation of four, two, four. He tried a couple of different things, but the 4-3-3, the very much standard formation for, the you know, a Barcelona team seems to be working the, the best. I mean, it's largely due to, I would say, two players in Lionel Messi and Pedri kind of binding very well, right, between midfield and attack. I think it's also largely due to, you know, Usman Dembele's relationship with Sergino Dest on the right-hand side. Both of those partnerships, you know, those separate partnerships that I mentioned are very much informed. And you can see the chemistry building on the the field, the knowledge of where each player is. You can see they're thinking about the next pass. You can see that they're trying to play each other in. So that chemistry is building where there's still kind of a lot of, you know, gaps in, in this team that need to be filled is, I mean, most obviously the striker position, because that doesn't really... You know, there's no natural fit. I mean, Martin Brathwaite is a decent striker. He's not, I would say, you know, European level that's necessary, yeah. but
1: there's well, the I gap mean, there. Well, I, I got to think that the best case scenario of this, if that relationship between Griezmann and Messi is figuring itself, it's figuring itself out and the positions are, are figuring themselves out with the, with the growing chemistry, like you said, I mean, if if that's working very well between the two of them, then, you know, you could argue that they don't necessarily need a more traditional number nine, right? If those two guys are both very, are both very like auxiliary slash just modern number nines, like very, very modern number nines, right? And they can also, in the sense that they can also play in that position right behind the striker. And if... The relationship works itself out, and they're able to, as we've been seeing, find those spaces find the spaces that fit towards them and not get in each other's way. I think <laughs> there's been a lot less of that recently, yeah and i i don't I don't think um I don't think there's as much of a need or as much of a desperation for um a number nine in the mold of like a Martin Brathwaite or, or whatever it might be. But at least to your kind of your notions there about what we're seeing relationships building in terms of the midfield, in terms of the wings, like you said, with Dembele and Sergio Dest. It's kind of back to what we were, what I kind of discussed when we spoke about um, the kind of mid season review on, on, like Chelsea and Manchester United, where I was talking about, like there were the coalitions insides. The best teams have these little coalitions, whether it's two or three yeah. players that just have great relationships and almost independent of what's happening on the rest of the field, right? And yeah, I think we're seeing that. Like you said, we're seeing that on that right side, especially where you've got Dest, De Jong and, and Dembele, right? Yeah. And and those guys are combining very well, and we've we've been seeing De Jong Get more into the box too but you know there's just like little combinations around the field at least in the midfield and attack that are really growing strong relationships with each other and being very efficient too especially as we saw this past weekend i mean the goals were just fantastic i mean yeah the one the i don't remember if it's the first or second Messi goal where i don't quite remember who had the assist on it but he but I believe it's either Griezmann or Pedri makes like this run closer to the front post and it just kind of opens up a little pocket right around the right around like edge of the 18 where Messi is just kind of trailing as he does. And I forget who finds him there, but they find him and the ball rockets off his left foot straight into the corner. And yeah, like that that was like one of the the most satisfying, I think the Barcelona <laughs> goals um yeah, but yeah, th- I, I think there's there's really good relationships being built in the team, and I think that's really important the one of the most important things to come out of the end of this season, right is especially if you're talking about those guys who are under twenty six under twenty five true in you know Dest, Dembele, de young, and the relationship that hopefully Pedri is able to keep building with at least Griezmann because uh, like I said, that's the guy who's probably going to be there longer. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, all good stuff. All good stuff. No, for sure. I mean, the
0: the relationships, the mini relationships on the field that you talk about are kind of what showed through in that Granada game over the weekend with a 1-4-0. It was those relationships of line breaking passes and, width that i've talked about for years you know that really showed through and that's a product of i think two two things right a the formation change into a 433 and more standard and people you know on the field getting used to that and secondly i think it's more just to do with players stepping up now and kind of understanding what Coleman wants because maybe maybe Rian, there's an argument to be made that coaches shouldn't be fired after the first like two months in, in management maybe <laughs> Maybe I'm just saying. Maybe we've talked about that before and people shouldn't listen to our, our podcast. I think three <laughs> podcasts go about you know Arteta, but anyway, I digress. But yes. <laughs> hey,
1: our, our we were pretty we were pretty fair on Arteta. We said that the problems <laughs> were not his at all. So that's I, true. I think, I think we were pretty level headed on that one. But sorry. That's true. Come on
0: no, fair. No, I think it's completely fair. Um, the only other thing that I want to touch on is the fact that it really does look like that Lionel Messi is back into form. Like, yeah. goal-scoring form, assisting form, just creative form. It There really is something to be said about his relationship with Pedri. And the correlation between that relationship, you know, growing and maturing, and his return to form. I mean... It's like he's found, you know, a long long lost friend that he has not seen in ages, right? It's like that gap was filled in some ways. And of of course, we're talking about a teenager, but at the same time, it's it's a teenager that's really stepping up. And that, I'm sure, has to do with, you know, a large part of it. But generally, Messi just looks happier a little bit. And that always, always will bring a smile on my face.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, the smile is, is obviously wonderful, but... Um, I mean, yeah, the new, a...
0: new contract is also wonderful, but that, you
1: know, you can't ask too much. <laughs> I'm sure he's not too worried about that right now. <laughs> he knows he's getting paid no matter what. But, um, no, yeah, it, it brings up, like, an interesting, um, I think, discussion of does... Kind of finishing itself regressed to some sort of mean, right, because I felt like the first month or so where it was obvious that Messi was not quite finishing at the same rate as we as we'd expect him, he was still getting into very good positions, so nothing was missing there, but I even said i it might have been a month or two ago when i was when I said to you that. Is it possible that he's just slightly declining a bit and that the the margin between being <laughs> like the best player in the world and being like the eighth best player in the world is like that thin? He was still scoring goals, but just wasn't scoring at like the spectacular rate. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, if, if that if that is what's happening here, but right, it's interesting to think about. Because he's just been on another – he seemed like he's been on another level recently. But at the same time, he, I thought he was getting into great positions anyway, and now he's just finishing them yeah. at the rate that we yeah. expect.
0: Yeah, I think there was um, – there's a, a stat out there in all of – I mean, if if you take the assumption, let's take the assumption that Lionel Messi is responsible for a majority of Barcelona's shots. I think that's a fair assumption. Shots and goals there is a statistic out there that of the top five leagues in Europe, I believe Barcelona was second in the, their expected goal difference versus actual goal difference, which is, yeah. and it was massive. Like th- they have gotten so close to scoring good opportunities, but have genuinely not finished them. I think, you know, a part of that certainly falls on Messi, Messi's shoulders. I mean, to a degree, right? It's, it's about precision. It's about accuracy and, and being able to finish those chances. Now, Again, who am I to criticize the greatest player of all time? I, I'm sitting here <laughs> in a comfy chair talking about just general soccer performances. But this is what I see. And now I feel as though that number on that chart being second in the XG and actual goal differential will likely start to come down as Messi gets more into form. So I don't I don't know if it's a decline. I it's hard to say. I think maybe it's a slow one. Yeah. But um for right now,
1: I'm I'm content. Hey, yeah, and and for I mean, you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, like that that decline has also been very slow. Like he's obviously not the same, like quite the same athlete, but he's still an amazing athlete, and that's just kind of the the uh, the margins there, right? Yeah, you're and still gonna take <laughs> both
0: of those players on your team. Like, let's be exactly, honest. exactly,
1: exactly. But but just one more thing before before I think we uh, had to do a break here, at least. Going back to that, that XG stat there, because, you know, I love that you came in with, <laughs> with your own XG stats there. Barca is sitting first in La Liga in terms of XG. They're saying at just around 41. Second is Real Madrid with 31. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, that checks and, out. <laughs> <and> <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it just goes to, to your point that they're creating chances the chances have been there for most of the season um like i said even with Messi, it's just more about the best teams almost unilaterally outperformed their xg because they're that good at finishing and that and that's yeah and that's the level that that Barca needs to to get to right and it's we've said already it's okay if they don't get to quite that level this season that's not i don't think that's the ultimate goal of this season but Either way, things are looking
0: up. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one way to look at it. And I did know that they're number one, you know, in XG and La Liga. I just tried to forget that stat. But anyway, let's take a (laughs) quick break, Rian. We'll be back talking a little uh, Real Madrid and what was probably my favorite game of the weekend in Real Sociedad and Sevilla. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back talking. Like I said right before the break, little Real Madrid. Let's Real. Yeah, let's let's focus on a team that's um, going through some ups and downs. Let's let's be honest. They stuttered over the weekend. Right, went away to to Elche in the just freezing cold. Was week. that
1: Elche or Green Bay, Wisconsin? <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for Spain, that may as well had been like a frozen tundra.
0: It, yeah, that was the quote. I mean, they don't get snow like this. And for context, for those of you that didn't watch this game, it was fully snowing during this game. Um, and th- the story coming out of Madrid, I think, is just absolutely absurd. Um, when Re- the Real Madrid team played, wanted to leave the airport, mind you, Barajas, which is Madrid's airport, was completely close. No commercial flights going in or out. The only flight that left on Friday night to take them to the Elche game was the Real Madrid flight to Elche. Now, someone somewhere had to make a decision for the Real Madrid flight to actually go because the government basically said, yeah, no flights are coming in and out of Madrid right now because of the snow. And this team waited in the plane on the tarmac for over two hours before they decided to make a call and actually fly in the freezing cold in weather that Madrid is not That's
1: absurd
0: insane, actually insane. Like, I think it was probably closer than we realized to to being, you know, a very dangerous situation for those players. Uh, But they did make it to the game. um, Subsequently, Drew in the freezing tundra. um, And it was not a pretty game, quite frankly. It was relatively boring. Real Madrid did not really control the game like they do. I mean, Luka Modric is still... Kicking it at 35 somehow, but beyond that, it it really was a lackluster game. They could have scored, you know, towards the end, but even then I was not, I was genuinely not impressed with this Real Madrid side.
1: Yeah, I want to give them a little slack for, because of the conditions itself. And that's, the situation's not the best, right? And there's still a team that haven't lost since the end of November, right? And have done very well to dig themselves out of a hole that they put themselves in in the first place um, in the first month of the season. I think it's, it's still hard to see, for me, it's still hard to see their path to winning the title. Um, they're sitting four points off Atleti with two games, uh, with Atleti having two games in hand. I mean, there, there's a possibility that by the end of February this could be not mathematically wrapped up, but like but for all intents and purposes, kind of wrapped up, and which will put us in a really really uncharted territories. I don't know if I can ever remember a season where by late March, maybe beginning of April, both Barcelona and Real Madrid are just fighting for second right and it's a procession towards the, towards the title for for the team in first so we already know what how easy madrid can motivate themselves for other competitions right so elias are we are we about to see another champions league run from from madrid
0: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i mean it's it's not impossible, um, g- given their draw. It's not impossible. And then again, you don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of rounds if they do make it through the round of 16. But uh, that's tough. I mean, I don't see Real Madrid going on to win the Champions League, although it would be extremely on brand for this team to, like we've talked about it before, draw these games that they should be winning or lose these games they should be winning and then go on and win against like PSG, like that would make the most sense for Real Madrid. They motivate themselves when they feel necessary, and that is a mentality problem. An objective,
1: they're an objective-based team. All right, (laughs) thirty-eight games, way too long. It's they—they've got a very short attention span.
0: Yeah, yeah, you got fourteen games or something like that. Have at it, have a field day. We're down, but a, a whole league campaign. Yeah, that's not having it. But, I mean, that's one of the things that Zidane, like, said this at the end of last season or after the, you know, COVID um, season. He basically said, like, the league meant more to him than any of those Champions Leagues because of the consistency that's required to win those leagues. And, you know, Messi also said this, um, you know, I think a year or two ago when Barcelona, you know, evidently and eventually kind of fall out of back-to-back winning the league – Everyone's going to realize how significant it was because I think people got used to that sort of narrative and and that happening year in, year out. But it's very hard, very hard to maintain that sort of consistency um, for years and years. So going back to Real Madrid, they are in this period where they just, again, choose to play well when they want and I have to highlight Luka Modric again for stepping up and really being a dynamic force in this team still somehow. I mean, I, I, at my age, if I was playing football and I was 35, I think my knees would be falling apart. But this man's knees are still pirouetting and spinning like <laughs> he's 23. It's kind of insane. Um, so I have to give you know them props and also probably have to shout out Benzema and, and Ramos for being – Really, the saving grace for the side because I, I could have very well seen a game over the weekend where they're losing, you know, not necessarily because they play poorly, but because they weren't, you know, mentally strong and actually focused for the full 90 minutes. I'm not going to give them slack for the conditions because Atletico also play in these conditions against a harder team. So it's, if you want to win the league, you have to win these games, you know, regardless. And you're up against competition that will win games like this. So, that's what you're up against. Um yeah. but yeah, that that's where Real Madrid are at.
1: Important to note, Sergio Ramos who I believe so has six just six months left on his contract. He does. And I I don't feel like I've heard a lot of rumors about him potentially signing elsewhere. So I I, I obviously it's on the table, but um well, it it it, it isn't it isn't. Real er, Sergio
0: Ramos and Florentino Perez have a very love-hate relationship in like the most like <laughs> stereotypical of ways, a love-hate relationship. Florentino Perez, I think for all intents and purposes, would want to get the most out of Sergio Ramos if he were you know to sell him. For Florentino, I think it's more business, uh, unfortunately, which is kind of what you saw with how he treated Casillas when he left. Didn't really do much for him. A club legend leaving the club. Once you I mean... hit a
1: certain age with him, he's kind of. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of he's kind of so-so on some of these players. Yeah, even the even the treatment of Ronaldo to I think to the last season or two was not worthy of a player of that stature. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think everyone at Real Madrid would probably agree with you, and. Quite honestly, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Sergio Ramos. There have been, there's been one rumor about him potentially signing with PSG, but honestly, I think it's just a rumor because I mean, real, Sergio Ramos himself has not made up his mind. Let's be clear. So no one really knows what's going to happen with this contract. And with him being, you know, available to negotiate and talk to other clubs, it's entirely possible that he sees what's out there first, but I just want to stress again, how much of a loss Sergio Ramos would be to Real Madrid on the field specifically. I don't know if Florentino Perez has really yeah. got it through his skull.
1: we saw we saw it with the first what, three <laughs> in three to four of the Champions League games, right? So Yeah, exactly. That's what from, there, from there from there, Elias. Should we on to what was the game of the weekend, really? Even going into it between two teams who are fighting for I mean to be realistic they're fighting for the fourth place spot. I, I I think that Atleti, Barca, and Real all look stable enough to be able to lock up those those front those first three spots. But this yeah. is really a game between the two two of the three, uh, throwing in Villarreal as well. Two of the three teams who are in a dogfight for fourth place, and what? An unreal first 15 minutes of the game. <laughs> I mean, so I tuned in. This is the probably the only of the Lolly games that I watched fully, full, full 90 minutes. I tuned in maybe six minutes in, and my first thought was, fuck, it's already 1-1. Uh, little did I know there'd be another two goals in the next 10 to 12 minutes. And then um, <laughs> nope, nothing didn't. for a while... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then nothing for a while. And um, an early goal in the second half from uh, Sevilla. And for the most part, they I thought they handled L'Oreal very well. Yeah,
0: I mean, this game, 8 a.m. on a Saturday, normally wouldn't be a time that I would say, oh, all right, I got to really get up and watch this game. But I said, you know, yeah, I think I'm going to get up and watch this game because it might really be entertaining. Uh, I was... Thoroughly and entertained. I was not disappointed anyway. It was such a good game. I mean, even outside of the first 15 minutes, I was entertained. The, the first 15 minutes were just nuts. I mean, I basically started watching on my phone from the, the whistle, and I was like, oh, there's a goal. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was basically just back and forth every couple minutes. And after those 15 minutes, it did certainly die down a little bit Um, and got back to a little bit more, um, I guess, <laughs> back and forth over several periods of time rather than just, you know, seconds. Um, but it then became just a battle of tactics. And that's what I, I just love watching these two teams that are, you know, genuinely strong sides battle out the way they did. I think Sevilla were probably the better of the two sides in kind of the same reason for, uh, excuse me for some of the same reasons that Atletico beat them, you know, yesterday on Tuesday at the time of recording. And that's what I think was impressive about Sevilla is the way they pressed. I think the way that they got in behind Real Sociedad with balls over the top to El Nassiri and, and to Lucas Ocampos, those balls, come, I mean, basically beat Real Sociedad's semi-high line virtually every time. That's where that goal came from, you um, or I should I should say Sevilla's second goal. Um, and I think the reason why they came out on top largely was because of that consistent press, long ball, or direct kind of route one passenger play, you know, through the middle. So really entertaining game. Real Sociedad are they're just going through a rut right now. I mean, we're, by the time we're recording this, they did play Barcelona in the Spanish Super Cup and lost on penalties. And I thought they were the better team in that game, but. They are just going through a little bit of a spell. I think just like every team, you know, goes through on a, on a regular basis or you know, in over the course of a season. But they are still a very strong side.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that game was for some of our listeners who may not watch. Um, La Liga, quite quite as much as as uh, LA, definitely not as much as Elias says, but um, even, <laughs> but even on on the smaller scale where where I've been able to watch the last couple of years, this game was a really good, I think, example of s- different styles in different leagues and the difference in styles of a whole league itself rather than just the teams in it, right? Where yeah. The the football was beautiful for much of the game. For much of the game with uh Sevilla and and Sociedad, you know both teams looking to play out of the back every single time. And whereas in England, a lot of the times when in doubt, just poof it, or when in doubt, you know play it <laughs> play it up in the air for a header to win the second ball, and that's like such a big thing in in England is winning the second ball. Right. Um, but this game was just a great, I think, a great advert for kind of the differ- the differentiation in leagues um especially with Spain and and uh and England and this is not yeah. to say that one is better than the other by the way but Oh no 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 it is but, but sure you can, no, you can no, go no, along no. that line <laughs> not to say that at all i refuse to get pulled into that conversation <laughs> but um but no it was just a great game of soccer like it, it nothing more to it than that um and and Sevilla now even after the loss to Atleti, they're still sitting just two points off of fourth place with a game in hand on the Villarreal. Um, so, Ciudad, they they really need to get on a winning run. Um, they do. They are. They have played nineteen, which is one more than Villarreal and two more than Sevilla, and they're sitting on the same amount of points as Sevilla. So, they need to go. They need to go on a run. Um, it's not saying they have to win like ten in a row, but even Three, two or three. They they need to get back into winning ways. Yep, yep. They need to find...
0: Uh, I think they still have confidence. It's just more about form, honestly. I know there are dips in form here and there. And honestly, I think Sociedad are probably, you know, one free kick in Yanozai today against Barcelona from being into the finals of the Spanish Super Cup and maybe even having silverware at the end of that. Who knows? But it, it just seems as though they're losing steam a little bit, like in yeah. the grand scheme of the season, they're losing a little bit of steam from where they started. And I don't know how you regain that outside of really man management and coaching, but they've got to look internally and find that because they have the quality. They have the quality. I mean, partially it's David Silva has not been playing recently due to an injury, but again, the quality yeah. is still there. And he's a
1: huge man So yeah, I, I think, I think people are surprised by how much of an influence he's made on this team. At 34 and uh insane yeah you know, it's I mean that's a testament to the type of player that he is right I think he's slightly I think he was slightly underrated um over his time at Manchester City just because they had so many amazing players but yeah no is if um Sociedad have to get back on track they haven't won two in a row since November 22nd so <sighs> wow yeah it's not not great for them, but we
0: will always keep one watching win La Real. since
1: then. By the way, one win since November twenty second, and it was that against Hitafe? Who was that against? Um, at Bilbao. Bilbao.
0: Okay, in the same yeah. ballpark. So, all right. Yeah, not great for La Real, but we will always always keep watching La Real. Always watching Sevilla. We should start a hashtag on that. Now that I think of it, but <laughs> I'll, I'll think of something. But anyway, well, Ryan, I think that wraps up the La Liga portion of this week's pod. We'll, uh, we'll be back after the Liverpool Manchester United derby over the weekend and the Spanish Super Cup final that will be taking place on Monday, either between Barcelona or one of Real Madrid or Athletic Bilbao. So we could have another Clasico on Sunday. Just uh, something to think about. Mm-hmm. So A sweet, sweet Clasico. I hope for it. But <laughs> with that, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon.
1: Thanks, guys.